Our scripture reading today comes from Amos chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Doom to those resting comfortably in Zion and those trusting in Mount Samaria, the chiefs of the nations to whom the house of Israel comes. Cross over to Kelna and see, from there go to Hamath the great, then go to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Or is your territory greater than their territory? Doom to those who ignore the evil day and make violent rule draw near, who lie on beds of ivory, stretch out on their couches, eat lambs from the flock and bull calves from the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp and, like David, compose tunes on musical instruments, who drink bowls of wine put the best of oils on themselves, but who aren't grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, they will now be the first to be taken away, and the feast of those who lounged at the table will pass away. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I got to tell you, whoops, I am so excited about preaching on Amos in this passage that uh, we need to just start with a, a, a prayer for a moment and just, you know, calm my soul because I'm like so excited. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. When I was coaching preschool gymnastics, way back, <laughs> the sessions always started exactly the same way. All the little three, four, five-year-olds would gather around and we'd sit down on the mat, crisscross applesauce, and after some introductions and talking about what we were going to do and everybody getting to know Coach Elisa a little bit, I'd say, all right, we're gonna head over to the trampoline. So at the YMCA, in this particular YMCA in Puyallup, they had this long, narrow trampoline. It's like a rubber bouncy runway for toddlers or something. Land on their face. And every single time, there would be those who would run as fast as they could, racing to get to the front of the line. And those who had taken a class with me before would just calmly stroll to the line take their place, and lean in and quietly whisper because they know what's coming and the first shall be last. <laughs> and then I would walk up with a great big smile, gently grab the hands of those at the front of the line, and we'd walk to the end of the line. <laughs> And I would say, and the first shall be last. We get this phrase, and the first shall be last, comes from Jesus. It's in all three of the synoptic gospels. That's your Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
And Jesus tells this story where he says, and the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And the story, this parable, is about a farmer who uh, needs to hire some workers. And workers race to get their first thing in the morning. They agree on a price, and these workers work all day long. Other people come and join some of them, come to work for the farmer, and they show up right at the end of the day at like 4.45 p.m. The clock rings at 5 p.m. Farmer comes out, pays everybody exactly the same. Whoa, time out. Those who had raced to be first in line, they're pretty ticked off. They're saying, hey, we got here first. We worked hard. How come we're not getting paid more than they are? And Jesus' response in this story is the farmer who is God saying, what is it to you? Did I not pay you what we agreed on? You got, you got the reward. What more do you want? What is it to you? how I reward people. So does this sound a little bit like the preschoolers? Does this sound a little bit maybe in this racing to be first? We're number one. Like maybe our country? That we could be an episode of hoarders? the way we want to get all those resources for ourselves while people are starving? Because it's so important to be number one. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, that's not like me. I wouldn't do that. I recycle. <laughs> I make donations. But maybe, maybe what would sound familiar is a sense of personal pride, of people who live in the city are more sophisticated and better than those bumpkins who live out in the country. Or people who vote for this party are better than people over here who vote for that party. Because I'm at the top, I'm number one. But we're talking about Amos. Oh, who here is a major fan of Minor Prophets? Major fan of Minor Prophets? Yes! <laughs> Got one. Right, who reads Amos on a regular basis, right? <laughs> Teresa does. Teresa reads Amos. You love Amos and you don't even know it. You love Amos. So Amos 5.24. Anybody? Anybody? Throw that out there. No, okay, you know this one. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King quoted when he says, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness, like an ever-flowing stream. That's Amos. Because God cares about equity. And Amos preaches about equity. So the book of Amos is broken down into nine chapters. They're basically like nine sermons. And in chapter six, Amos, Amos, who is a tree trimmer shepherd from Tekoa, which is like saying Buckley. <laughs> he goes to 
King Jeroboam II up in, he's talking to the divided kingdoms in Israel to the north, King Uzziah to, to the Judahites, Judah, kingdom of Judah in the south. And he goes to them during a time of great prosperity and peace and everything is going well. And he says, doom, doom to you to warn them because they think they're number one. So these, these kingdoms, they're living rich, they're living high on the hog, they're eating. Well, they're not eating the hog, that would be wrong to say. <laughs> they're eating the best calves and the best sheep, and they, they're reclining on couches, which is how they, they eat. They don't sit in chairs at a dining table like we do. They just like stretch out on their on their couches, and they're not just drinking wine out of glasses. So you know what, if you would, what did I do with my glasses? Oh, there they are, that's why I have that pocket there. I'm gonna read this again, if that's all right with y'all. Thank you. I didn't really need permission, but I thought it was polite. Doom to those resting comfortably in Zion, and those trusting in Mount Samaria, that means you are trusting where you live, like people who maybe live in Bellevue. Like, I'm cool, I live in Bellevue. Sorry, that was terrible, I have family there. <laughs> the chiefs of the nations to whom the house of Israel comes. These are the rock stars, the celebrities, the people that everybody wants to see and know and hear from. Cross over to Kalna and, and Seif, and from there go to Hamath the Great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. When you read Amos, those mean, names mean absolutely nothing to you, do they? Okay, all it takes is a quick glance at Google or a commentary. Here we go. Kalna and Hamath, these are both cities that were conquered by the Israelites, just incorporated. Now you're mine. Go down to Gath of the Philistines, also conquered by Judah. Now you're mine. This is my area. And Amos is saying, are you better than these kingdoms? Or if Amos was talking today, are you better than the Puyallup, the Muckleshoot, or the Lummi tribe? You think you're so fancy? Do you think you are better than those who occupied this territory from time immemorial? This is what Amos is saying to them. Or is your territory greater than their territory? Doom to those who ignore the evil day and make violent rule draw near. Doom to those who ignore those on the margins who are going to be conquered, who are going to be incorporated, who lie on beds of ivory and stretch out on their couches, eat lambs from the flock and bull calves from the stall. They are feasting, hoarding, all for themselves, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp, and I love this. Amos is sarcastic. And, oh, like David. Uh-huh. Yeah, like David composed tunes on musical instruments. Don't you think you're great? You're so special. 
who drink bowls of wine. A cup's not good enough. No, we just got to, you know, like, mm, go with the full bowl. Who put the best oils on themselves. Really. But who aren't grieved over the ruin of Joseph. They are not grieved over the fact that their nation is headed down a train track on a collision course and they don't even know or care because they're comfortable. Everything feels pretty good. Therefore, they will now be the first taken away and the feast of those who lounged at the table will pass away. Where was I? I get all excited. When I was um, in my early 20s, I went to work on a fishing boat in Alaska in the Bering Sea. And when I first got there, I had no idea what I was doing, what I belonged there. I'm like, I have a college degree in philosophy. <laughs> I guess this is what you do with a college degree in philosophy. <laughs> but I got comfortable. I started learning the skills. I actually ended up for 12 hours a day, sometimes 15 hours a day, running a machine where fish jumped dropped off of a fish ladder at a constant movement of pollock that was coming up by hundreds of tons out of the ocean and uh, across this moving table. And then in front of that is this moving tray belt that went to a head blade on a machine, cuts the head off, and then a spike chain grabs the fish, pulls them through all of these blades to fillet them, do this thing. You're on a 300-foot ship that's rocking in the ocean like this and so sometimes these blades will get jammed up and you got to run as fast as you can you whip out a knife and you're cranking this machine up cutting out all of the backed up fish to get it out of there so you can keep that machine running wow that's america right there <laughs> and and the goal amongst the people who drove who operated these machines you're called being a botter driver is a botter machine the goal was to be number one I am very competitive. <laughs> so I really liked being the one with the least amount of downtime because these numbers were posted and I was number one. And I ran 165 fish a minute, 12 hours a day into this machine, head down, belly in. Oop, there's one, Oop, flip it over, back in. Mm, 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 mm. Get real good, juggle fish a little bit and back in the machine. I knew what I was doing. And my dad would write me letters and at the end of every single letter he signed it, remember, Complacency is a killer. Because I was good at my job, that's when I started getting injured. Broke a finger, broke a toe, almost cut off a finger because I was complacent. The Israelites were getting complacent and Amos is there screaming at them, complacency is a killer. Do you know the difference between a three, four, and five-year-old? We got a lot of parents. How tired the mom is. <laughs> yes, I love that. So a three-year-old is just figuring out their identity, that they are separate from the world around them. So a three-year-old is going, hey, 
there's a world out here. And a four-year-old is now really discovering their independence. They've got their identity, but now they're figuring out they're independent, and they're going, hey, there's a whole world out here, and it's all mine. And a five-year-old has got their identity and their independence, and now they are figuring out, as most five-year-olds are in pre-K or kindergarten, and they're starting to learn a lot of things, and they're very excited and proud of their intellect, so a five-year-old is going, hey, there's a whole big world out there. It's all mine, and I know every little detail about it. Would you like to know about rainbows and squirrels? I can tell you all about squirrels, and I know all of the details about how rainbows work. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Amos is talking to the Israelites and saying, you are five-year-olds. Stop that. You think you know everything. You got your, your identity worked out. You set yourself apart from the world. You have your independence figured out. You have established your territory and your boundaries. And you have figured out how to be a people, but now you think you have it all figured out. And you don't. You can't be that proud. Amos is telling the Israelites the first shall be last because you think you know what the rules are here and you don't my preschool class everybody everybody gets a chance to jump and play on the trampoline I like to think of heaven like a great big trampoline we are all going to get to jump and play. But when we run to the front of the line, trying to be number one, all we're doing is making it harder for all of us to jump and play on that trampoline together. Amen. Amen. <laughs>